Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comics Kadoja, Three Protectors, and Animals. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift, Wanders of Melisanda, Paradise Hills, and Granite for the Accidental Aliens. Mm. And that's it. We'll see you next week. What are you drinking? What are you drinking? We, we made it. We did it. Uh, Left Hand Brewing Company Milk Stout Nitro American Stout, or America's Stout. So this wow, is a, a 12-ouncer, and it is 6.0 ABV. So not a super heavy hitter or anything like that, but it felt like a stout night. Like, I wanted a stout that sounded good. I was thinking about doubling up and grabbing something else. As of right now, I don't think I'm going to do that. But hey, mm-hmm. we'll see where the night takes us. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say, man, I'm a little concerned about this beer. I'm a little concerned because I don't know if I want something this hazy. Like, I'm holding a beer right That here, was my backup but plan, yeah. The haze. It's really fucking hazy, and I'm inclined to just dump it down the drain because I don't know if oh, I shit. want to put my stomach through that. You know what I mean? What do you think? Hey, if your stomach's feeling fucked up and you don't think you can handle it, do what you gotta do. You don't have, like, a sealable container? Because that was a brand new beer. Nah. It was a brand new beer. I mean... Cost me three bucks. I can I can live with three dollars cost. Yeah. Um, I just I hate any kind of alcohol abuse. <laughs> yeah. I'll be back. Just keep it rolling. All right. Okay, guys. We're gonna take a brief timeout, and we'll see you in a couple of seconds. Keith's gonna go dump this beer down the drain. All right, man. So what I am drinking is a aptly named beer for some topics on last year's podcast. This one is called Time Traveler. It is a dry hopped Belgian style ale. This is one of the beers that was part of the um, Lazy Dog Beer Club. Um, And this one was a, it's brewed and canned by Melvin Brewing in Wyoming. And so we're gonna see what's going on here. This looks pretty pretty fun and pretty interesting. It is 16, it's a pint and it's 7.9% alcohol. So that sounds like a pretty good time. Yeah, I I like a beer that's called Time Traveler. So that lets you know what you're in for. You're gonna fucking drink this and you're gonna wake up tomorrow and be like, what day is it? So, uh, all right. So with that, I'm going to I'm gonna time travel a little bit, and you can tell me about the first thing you did this week, man. Well, the first thing I did has been a very consuming thing. It took me, I think, about two weeks to do, or maybe a week and a half. And like with my newfound speed, that's a little, a little concerning for how long it took, but it was because <laughs> of what was involved. So it's the cover for Second Shift Doorways, which was the Drawtober project that is going to be turned into a fully formed comic and it had 20 characters on the cover so i would say Man. on average covers take me uh 10 15 hours maybe you know like max mm-hmm. and yeah so this was more than double for obvious reasons to draw 20 characters on a cover is is freaking nuts so you know it was a very ambitious idea and um, I think I pulled it off. I think it came out all right. Like, personally, like I think it came out pretty good. So I'm happy with it. There is just one character that I want to add to it, if it's possible. And that is all up onto the creator. So uh, if you guys were paying attention during my Drawtober stuff, if you follow me on social media, I actually had Madman as one of the days. Like, one of the characters that mm. teamed up with Second Shift. So... Um, we got permission to use him, but only digital only or online only. And mm. so the hope is we can convince Mike Allred, like after it's colored and lettered and basically have the story complete, we want to pitch it to him and go, hey, this is how it came out. This is the context of the story of, of how your character will be used. 
what do you think? Just kind of repitch mm-hmm. it to him and see if he's okay with it. You know, like there's some other okay. creators that he knows there that he has personal relationships with. So if they're good with it, hopefully he becomes good with it. And then we can actually get him uh, to be in the physical book and the digital edition. And if that's possible, then I will draw Madman on that cover as well. And I know exactly what okay. I'm going to do with him if I have to add him. Nice. Nice. That's cool. I mean, that's that's a lot of goddamn characters, you know. Do you did that give you remember at um at what Amazing Las Vegas last year we t- we tabled next to Jamie Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Sullivan has that one cover. Doesn't it have hundreds and hundreds of GI yeah. Joe characters? It was like I think gotten, it was like I don't know, if you put five 11 by 17s like butted up against each other or something like that maybe four Mm -hmm. something like that it was really giant it was one sheet Mm -hmm. of paper but it's the equivalent of you know like five 11 by 17s or something like that so yeah that gotcha yeah yeah i mean it it wasn't that but goddamn that thing was it was pretty amazing that thing (laughs) yeah yeah i think i think i had overheard him say to someone that it was it was maybe is in the guinness book of world records probably for most characters on a cover i did hear that as part of his pitch because i was on his side of the table yeah Mm -hmm. right like my 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 table was next actually we had separate tables there so i was next to him and then you were next to uh to oh to our homie from uh, hawaii god Uh, jimmy his name jimmy jimmy from hawaii Mm -hmm. yeah yeah he was he was badass um so no that's really cool dude i mean if if that was your only thing this week, I'd be like, "Yep, you're good, right?" Like, and and that's that might be the way it is based on what you're telling me, right? Like, that's a ton of work. And how do you how do you push through something like that when when it's just such an ambitious level of work and so many characters? Does it come naturally? Is it you know you just kind of put your head down and do stuff? Like like what are you what's going through your head as you're kind of powering through a, a big piece of ambitious piece of work like that? Yeah, you, you just kind of put your head down and you keep going. I mean, like that's that was my perspective with it. It's like this is a really good layout. I really am comfortable with it. I was having trouble with the cover layout for quite some time. I had a completely different idea, and it just wasn't working. I've if you guys follow me on Instagram or Facebook or or wherever Twitter uh, threads, I think I have it up on all of those maybe. Um, so you can check out the initial layout plus the. Uh, pencil stage of it so it's like the first one's kind of just shapes you know like where everyone's going to go and the second one like everything's kind of worked out a bit so yeah check that out Um, so I was very very happy with that layout I was trying something else where there were multiple doorways opening up because that's that's Mm -hmm. how it happens and then so all these uh, independent creators characters were coming through the all of those doorways so that was the initial idea and it was going to be a gatefold cover and um it just couldn't work out. I couldn't figure out the, like the concept in my head was good, but to actually do it just didn't look good to me. Like how I was laying it out, it just wasn't coming out. So, um, you know, I just had to change it up. I was like, this, this isn't something I'm going to figure out. Like, I don't think I am. And, um, so I just went with something else. And that was kind of the first idea that came to my mind is just have one giant portal and, everyone falling out of it basically and you kind of just create a shape you know like you don't want it to be too chaotic where um it's like kind of like a free-for-all everyone's just you know doing whatever right like it has to yeah there kind of has to be a theme with it or like a rhythm to it and so it's just like okay what what can i do with this you got to make okay let me make this kind of like 
triangle shape with all of their bodies and you know don't have it centered like have it a little bit off you know to the left and and that kind of makes it more intriguing and then you just kind of apply their personalities to each one of them you know it's just um i sent it over to a couple of like my comics group chat like a couple of buddies um that you know like it's actually uh, ed my rider steve and uh, our buddy cowboy jack so um, I sent it over to them and, and Jack was like, you know, you would think mother trucker would be my favorite because that's like, like his deal. It's like, Oh, it's a TNA wrestler chick. So he's like into that. But it, he actually took a screen grab and it was uh Johnny Ray gun. And he was his, his position is he's falling and he's terrified that he's falling. And he goes, mm. he goes, this is actually my favorite one. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. Oh, nice. You know, and everyone kind of had their different character that they enjoyed in the layout. So, um, yeah, it was fun to do. And, yeah, I think it was about a week and a half's worth of work for me, and uh, just just took a lot of time. But you know, like to answer your question again, it's just yeah, putting your head down and knowing you have to finish this, and you basically have no other choice. So just keep working, take it one character at a time, and um, it's basically kind of the slack method that I worked on it with. It was I was jumping around everywhere. It was like okay, let me work on this character. Ah, it's like the bane of my existence are characters holding guns at different angles. And there was like <laughs> three or four different characters that were holding guns at different angles. And so I would be working on them and it would get to their hands and the guns. And I'm like, all right, skipping around next character, <laughs> you know, and then I would find another character. I'd work on them until they were either done or they had something going on that was going to require a little more work. And it's like, okay, skip to the next character. And before you know it, you know, all you have left are those little trouble areas but again, the beauty of the slack method is, you know, you're almost done. So it's just like, all right, let's figure it out. Let's take it one character at a time. Let's work on these hands. Let's see what the issue is. And, um, you know, before you know it, you just start narrowing it down. It's like, oh, this is a easier of all of these. Let me do this one. And you just kind of mentally keep doing that. Oh, what's the easier of all of these hard things? And I think for me, at least it eases it and it makes it move a lot faster and got to the point where I was drawing so many people holding guns that it started to become easier. I was like, Oh, okay. I think oh, I sure. kind of got like the rhythm of how this works. And, um, you yeah. know, by the last character, like I was using, um, references, Google images of people holding guns, like at different angles. And I was like, okay, so let me look at this and, you know, work on it and, you know, create the gun that this character has at that angle. And by, by the time I got to the last one, I didn't have any images of a character holding it at that angle, but I'm like, well, I understand shapes, and so let me move it in space, and and I figured it out. And I was like, okay, cool. Okay. I didn't even need a, a reference for that. I just figured it out on my own. I remember a uh, random, random fencing thing. That's also a Ricky, Rick and Morty reference somehow, even though I never watched it. I got the reference from someone else. Alyssa uh, had a very hard time early in her fencing career fencing left-handed fencers. And then she got to this national tournament and proceeded to fence uh, five left-handed fencers in oh, a row. Wow. Now, the good news is that meant she kept winning. So she just kept winning and winning and winning. And uh, I just termed it the Citadel of Lefties. It was just like she was... <laughs> oh, yeah, the Citadel of Bricks. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was just like nothing but left-handed fencers. So, and then after that, she was significantly better at fencing lefties, right? So it's just funny the way that works. There's a but, comedian uh, has a anyway. joke about that. It's like, uh, oh, I went to a psychiatrist and he be believed in immersion therapy. And, um, uh, he asked me what I was afraid of. And I said, well, I'm afraid of the dark and, uh, afraid of intimacy. So me threw, he threw me in a closet and he. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, why? Well, there, there's for those of you drinking on when I put the bleep sound in. <laughs> there you go. Just do Take it on the. Drink. Just do it on the cuss word. Leave yeah, it all, yeah. but just give a bleep take, right on the cuss word, like a. <laughs> take take the take the drink. Mark take the Mark drink. Norman, great great comedian. All right, so that that gets to my first thing, and so for me, it's been a very. I felt I feel good about writing again, and I specifically about writing the second novel. You know, a lot of times when I talk about my mind state on writing, it is worth noting that it's almost always prose I'm talking about. Because comic writing is just something that I feel, I generally feel somewhere between okay to great about when it comes to comic writing. With prose writing, I feel the entire range. I feel from great to awful. And um, and that's why it's been a really nice chunk of time here, because I have been back in the second novel um, to refresh, I think, what we talked about before on the podcast um, I'm I'm leaving for Africa in just a few days, and the goal was to not bring my computer with me and to write to the point in the in the first draft of the novel where I can just take a notebook with me and continue from here. So it'll be computer up until this point, and then writing freehand to finish the first draft. I will go back and type it and edit it as I type and see how I go. But um, I am very close. I'm very close. I'm only really a few scenes away from turning this over to the journal and you could make the argument that I could just start in the journal right now because the only thing that makes me like a little dicey about it is it's not like I have three scenes I need to write but they're non-linear scenes so ideally I would kind of spackle some space in the middle on on the computer over these next couple days but I don't have to I could always just be like Keith you need to write these three scenes and then you continue on Right. So anyway, it's it's been really good for that. And and so that's that's the main thing that it's been a good a good period of writing. But I also wanted to double back, maybe even triple back, quadruple back to a lesson that Scott and I have talked about before. In fact, he talks about it a lot when he used to draw um, at his old job. And uh, what what I like this, this is a story about stealing time. And so what happened was I had an extremely busy uh, week last week. I was not home like I usually am. I was kind of out and about just doing a whole bunch of various things. And uh, and then, you know, you add my my wife wanting to go to the gym in the morning or having her own meetings and things in the morning. And uh, and what I found was that I knew it was going to be a really tough week for me to get writing in. I just knew I had a whole lot of stuff. And, uh, and then on the, I don't know, like... Tuesday or something like that last week, I, I just decided, you know, let me, let me go in, you know, to where my appointment is and I'll just write, I'll get a coffee at Starbucks and I'll write for 35 minutes. Did that stole 35 minutes wrote. And I was like, oh, this feels really good. It gets my head back and, you know, it gets my head into the story. Sure enough, I bounced out around some ideas because I'm, I'm almost at this spot where I'm starting to write real big things again. And so the, the thinking time helps. Next day comes around, and I thought that my wife was going to um, be able to have breakfast with me, right? And then, uh, so she wakes up, and she's got her gym clothes on. And I was like, oh, you you going to the gym this morning? She's like, yeah, this is the only time I have today, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. So I'm like, cool, no problem. And then I'm like, fuck it. 
I can go back to that same Starbucks today and I can write for another 40 minutes if I play my cards right. So I did. Went on in there, wrote. And the nice thing about both of those days is, um, since I'm kind of in a writing space, I wrote almost my daily word count the first day, like 430 words. And then the second day, I was so in the flow that I wrote like six, 700 words. Oh, wow. Nice. So both of those things worked out. And both of them, to me, are exercises of just adjusting, stealing some time and and taking it when you can. And, uh, and you know, it's... To me, it's a great reminder of how you don't want to wait too much for things to be perfect for you to create. Create when you can. Even if it's if it's five minutes, so be it. If it's 10 minutes, so be it. If it's longer, so be it. But, but definitely don't wait for the right moment where the music is right and the mood is right and it's an uptown Saturday night. <laughs> and you're ready to to get your your work in, right? Like steal those minutes, steal those chunks of time because every little bit matters. Even if you sit down for 10 minutes and write 80 words or you draw or you sketch out a, a panel, that's one less panel you have to sketch when you're going to sit down later, right? So anyway, just uh, I, I, I took my own lesson, obviously, and was doing it, but I also wanted to share it with everyone as a, as a nice little reminder that you don't have to wait for things to be perfect. Yeah, and, and having that much time off from doing any of your projects, the stuff that you love doing, you know, you I'm sure you were having a great time doing all that stuff with your wife and, you know, just errands and, and whatever else was coming up in life, you know, I'm sure it was all good and all needed. So, but when you take that much time away from being creative, man, it feels so good to get back to it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and even if you were maybe in a little bit of a rut when you stopped, like nothing helps more than getting a little break in and, um, yeah. Even more so the other way, when you do stop and you're already in a flow and then you're like, ah, shit, I was in a flow and and, mm-hmm. and I have to stop now. Like, I don't like that. Why do I have to do this? Yeah. Oh, because of life, you know? Okay, <laughs> makes sense. And uh, when you yep. steal the time as you did, you really get a dial in. And like you saw on your second day, you're really dialed in and got almost two days yep. worth of work done in one. Yeah, and it, and it feels so good because that was early in the day. And so what that allows you to do is you attack the rest of the day. Oh, yeah. You know, in my case, there's almost this creator's guilt, right? Where it's like, well, when when am I going to have time for me? You know, if, if I wake up and I don't have time and I get into the afternoon, I'm like, but when am I going to be able to actually just get a little bit of work in? So when you get it in early, it's so great because it's happened. And, and then you can just, in my case, sort of relax a little bit more knowing that the creative, at least you've given yourself some creative time today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, rock on, rock on. Uh, what was your, did you have a second thing? And if I you did. do, uh, do, what is it? Yeah, yeah. So this is actually, this is actually um, a new project that was not on my 2024 schedule. This was not on the calendar. So this is a new project that popped up, um, an opportunity arose. Uh, Steve, Steve Whistler Jr., my talent relations guy, he, he got a hold of a, this project, he found out about this project, ran some questions by them. He uh, asked me, he was like, hey, are you interested in doing this? You know, do you want to use this image? And um, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, let's do it. And they said yes. And turns out that in this project, you can cross over your characters with their characters. And this mm-hmm. is a high profile creator. So, you know, as of right now, I'm, I'm just going to be a little vague with it just because... I don't want to jinx shit. So like if it just doesn't work mm-hmm. out, he doesn't like my story or something like that and it just gets canned, then it gets canned. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's he's 
if you follow him online, then you know he's advertising this. So, um, but yeah, so it's high profile, and I started the thumbnails today, and that that was only after reading one of his most recent books. So he has a ton of characters, um, some that I know, some that I don't know. And so I was asking Steve, I was like, I really like the way these characters look. Do you, do you know anything about them? And he goes, I have, I have the issue, but I haven't read it yet. So he passed the, mm-hmm. um, and it's a digital. So he passed the digital to me. And so it was a big one. It was 78 pages long. I was like, well, I better start reading because, like, you know, neither one of us knew about these characters, so I got to figure it out. And uh, the story was so good and interesting and funny that it flew by. Like, it didn't feel like 78 pages. It felt like maybe I read two comics, you know. And Mm. so, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I got to learn about the world and the characters uh, that I didn't know about already. And so those are like some of those newer characters are the ones that I'm going to use in the story. And I'm going to cross over with Second Shift. And it's basically going to be kind of like a um, Steve said, hey, it would be kind of cool if it was almost like a deleted scene from, you know, Second Shift Doorways. And I was like, actually, that's it's pretty close to that. It's just another world that they visit that you just don't get to see in that book. But I'm actually going to do an editor's note in Second Shift Doorways. Hey, did you enjoy seeing Second Shift with this character? Well, do you want to see them with more characters from this universe? Okay, go check out blah, 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 blah. And so mm-hmm. that way it's just like, oh, they know that, you know, like there's more stories with Second Shift and, and in this universe. So, um, which is super rad, you know, and, and I'm excited about it. And I don't know, man, like lately it feels like, like I got some juice going. And, um, you know, it's just, I don't know if it's a combination of just doing it as long as we've been doing it and figuring everything out and getting comfortable with everything that we're doing. Um, the work that Steve's doing for, the projects is is freaking amazing. It's like a lot of effort that he's putting into it. Um, that's mm-hmm. really amazing for me, you know, just to get that help. You know, it's just like, man, I haven't had help like this before. Like, this is pretty crazy. So, um, yeah, it's opened up some doorways, you know, pun. And uh, hey, hey, look what I hey, did. Hey. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was my day today, actually. So if I hadn't. Oh, wow. And I. I found out about the project today and uh, everything. So everything happened today. And yeah, so it was kind of wild. Like if nothing came of it, um, well, actually he told me late last night, but I didn't know the details this till this morning. And so Mm -hmm. if that didn't happen, I would only had one thing for the week. So uh, a lot of work went into it. It was just like me playing a lot of contact with those creators and like, like trying to figure out the details. Okay, what size does this need to be? Okay, it's treasury size, treasury edition size. Okay. Oh man. Yeah, man. So it's different. It's a different beast, and it's kind of like, all right, well, let me fuck with this and and you know see how it goes. Yeah, it's it's a different beast, but but is it both man and beast at the same time? What the fuck does that mean, Keith Foster? <laughs> it's I can't. I just. Any any and all any and all references to the Kobe system are are welcome. Absolutely welcome with making comics. Um, okay, so that hey, that's really cool, dude. You know, like obviously, um, I don't even know this. This happened so fast. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing details. Hopefully, offline before we talk about them online. But I also understand what you mean about not wanting to say too much until it's kind of a done deal. Yeah, you and I have I, I have a story that I shared with you recently where. Things looked really good until there was 
turned out that there was a miscommunication on something and it was really promising. And, and I have my share of conversations with people where they sound great, but they also have a bit of a, you know, like this, I think this is what people think of when they think of Hollywood. Um, and some of the conversations I've had have involved Hollywood type things and some of them haven't, but you know, you, you hear something and you're like, Oh shit, this, this could be it. Right. Like this yeah. could be the big thing. And then it doesn't happen or it keeps on stalling. And all you can do is wait. Right. All you can do is keep on pulling that giant slot lever of comics and seeing which things pay off and which things lead to other things. And so I think that's great, man. Sounds promising and sounds cool. And I can't wait to hear more about it. Yeah, I, I got the first page done. I know what the story's going to be. And I think once the thumbnails get approved um, by the, the main creator, uh, I'm going to send him send them his way and see what he says. And if he approves the thumbnails, then I'll be more open to sharing it on the pod. You know, it's just like, OK, cool. For sure. Like if he's cool with the story and what I've got laid out and planned, if he's cool with it, then then it is going to be a done deal. Um, yeah, because they're going to be running a Kickstarter for it. I think in April. So it's going to be coming up really fast, you know, especially okay. by the time this episode gets released or, you know, well into well into February, probably the tail end of February. And so mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah, that's a couple of months away. Might as well talk about it by then, you know, by the next episode. Yeah. Yep. Yep. This one's dropping February 19th, if I remember okay. right, as a, as a frame of reference. So so hell yeah, man, that's very cool. Um, more more to come. Which is which is very cool. Um, all right, so for my second thing, I have one more thing after this because they're all in different spaces. So people who've listened to the podcast for a couple months um, will know that uh, on a recent episode, whenever it was, I had gotten some inks back from the person who was doing Three Protectors Volume Two, and uh, and I was like, oh, that's weird. The inks look a little incomplete. I realized that it didn't have any gray tones to it. So I then went back to the artist and was like, hey, I don't see the gray tones here. Um, you know, is 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 there, you know, what, what's the plan for the gray tones? He then responds and says, oh, that's right. I Our contract had gray tones in it, but I didn't give you gray tones, so I'll work on those. So, you know, it's been a few podcasts since we've had that conversation. Yeah. And I even had a moment where I was kind of like, huh. And, and he did give me a progress a couple weeks later, but then I didn't hear from him. So I was like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what's going on there. Well, he's dead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he spoke to me from the ghost realm and he apologized. Um, it's not done. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, funny thing, Scott, what I didn't realize is that not only did he owe me gray tones for the five pages in question, he owed me them for everything. Oh, so any anything I have ever showed you from three protectors and I've shared shit with you, it's not gray toned. Mm -hmm. How many there pages? Some, there's some, how many pages deep is he? Let me see. Um, I have the count right here. I believe it is. So it's 21. He is 21 pages deep. Oh, shit. So that's yeah, probably why yeah, you I haven't know, heard right? from him. He's probably going back and doing all of them, huh? <laughs> 
that's well, that's what he did. But the thing is, my dumbass, because, you know, like a lot of the pages, they looked really good. I mean, I shared them with you proudly. Um, I, In fact, the first couple pages of the Three Protectors digital release, it turns out, didn't have gray tones, right? The free release through Invader Comics, which, hey, I hope, hope you've signed up for because um, we are going to revamp that, get you some new pages and keep it going next month. So again, invadercomics.com, sign up for free Three Protectors Volume 2, you get it digital free and it's not available anywhere else but i was like oh shit these pages look amazing <laughs> so it's really cool in fact as you were talking i had forgotten to open up some of them and i just happened to open up what's page 19 and i'm like god damn that looks cool so uh so it's neat of course the gray tones are going to make it look better some pages it's not much of a difference but some pages it really is and it really brings out stuff and it looks very very cool so the work is, was already good um, and the fact that it was good enough to where I didn't even question whether gray tones were on it um, tells you something, yeah. you know? And uh, so, yeah, man, like really good, really good pages. And I'm happy that they came back. And I have since launched uh, the next few pages. So, I mean, we're at the point where he only has to draw about nine more pages and three protectors volume two will be done, um, at least from a from a comic page art perspective. I think the art in the comic eight pages is somewhere around 43 to 46 pages. And uh, anyone who read Three Protectors or, or will read it will know that there are interstitial digital shorts and some text pages and things like that to make the story feel more grand and give it the appropriate level, appropriate level of grandeur. Nice. That's the correct pronunciation now. Good job, yeah, dude. See, I, I'm crushed. It. I, I learn. I learn things. Mr. Scott lost. Um, so uh, so that's that's what it'll come. So it'll probably end up in the 50s or something like that and be, a, you know, hopefully a story that uh, everyone else is excited about. But um, so, yeah, man, it, that was really dope to see. And, and it was great to see the pages kind of come alive, you know, even more. So uh, so cool. More more to come on that. But uh, but things look good so far. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, something um, my buddy Death said to me about my art, because we were just talking, you know, like we always talk to each other about art and our art specifically and, you know, like kind of like help each other out. And he goes, you know, your work is it needs to be in color. He goes, your work is made for color, like because I I do a lot of open line style. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't do a a ton of crosshatching and stuff like that to kind of give those middle tones. And so a lot of open line. And um, so I feel that when you said, oh, something looked incomplete about these pages, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, there's no gray tones. And that's what kind of reminded you. Um, and yeah, so yeah. so I feel that I know how that goes. And sometimes artist styles work better with that middle shade or or just coloring in general and uh, really fills it out. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. My last one, oddly, Scott, has a strange kind of cousin-level connection with yours, which is, and, and, and I'm saying this now to mark it in time, because I don't know where this is going to go, but uh, once, once the dam was kind of, you know, wait, unclogged, and, and, and shit was flowing again in the second novel, I found myself just, you know, having that... When, when when you're in this spot of writing, you know, Gary called it wandering through the, the forest. Um, I just call it, you know, kind of cloud gathering. You know, you walk around, you... I find myself listening to far more atmospheric death metal these days because I'm thinking now. You know, if I'm in the car, um, I'm thinking. 
And and I want something that aids that. I'm not listening to audiobooks as much as I was, say, three months ago, because I want my brain to just space out. I go for a walk. I want my brain to space out. And as my brain was spacing out, I came up with a promising idea for a story. And I was like, huh, it's kind of a cool little idea, right? And then I was like, what if I built on that idea? And then I built on the idea in my head. I'm like, that is also a cool idea. I like that. So yesterday, I'm, I'm driving around with my my wife. We're just you know doing errands or going to see friends or something. And, uh, and I'm like, hey, I got this idea for a story. Tell me what you think about it. And I, I start to say, you know, I say the whole thing. And she's like, well, that's pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you think so? She's like, yeah. I'm like, you think it's like kind of worth developing? She's like, I, I do. So we'll, we're going to see where it goes. We're going to see where it goes. And then oddly enough, I'm laying in bed, brain spacing, you know, trying to doing doing the thing I do often when I'm in this phase of a story, which is just setting my brain right for the next day. What's what's tomorrow's scene going to be like? Like, how can I get myself in the space of that scene? What questions do I have about that scene that I have not answered yet? That's one of my favorite ways to just kind of fall asleep. Just think of what the creative thing the next day is going to be. God damn it if I didn't come up with another idea. And I was like, that is also a pretty cool <laughs> idea, <laughs> right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note of these things, and we're going to see if any of them turn into anything else. Um, I, I don't know whether they'd be comics or stories, but as, as luck would have it, um, when I bought that journal that is going that notebook that is going to finish the uh, the first draft of my second novel, it was in a three pack. So I'm going to bring two journals now. And uh, and if the mood strikes me on this other idea, then I'll at least sketch stuff out or start writing it and see what happens. So, you know, it's it's funny the way it works. Right. Because I don't know, maybe maybe two months ago, three months ago, I really did have this moment where like, am I going to think of anything else? Like, am I going to have any more stories? Yeah. Is is this it? Like, do I just have these ideas and that's it? And don't get me wrong, I, I have enough ideas in the pipeline to where I could make comics and, and novels for about three years before anyone would even notice. Like, motherfuckers out of ideas, <laughs> right? So, uh, so I definitely have a nice runway there, but it was good that like, no, wait, these are some interesting ideas and I think I can mess with them and I think they are close enough to something already where I can start playing a little bit. So it was just a cool thing, right? And, and again, I'm saying this more to market in time because this may never come up again. You know, anyone who is a completist for listening to Making Comics, and first of all, thank you if you're a completist and you've listened to, you've collected them all. Um, you will know that there have been some ideas that I've mentioned that never became anything, right? Like it's it was the thing in the moment and nothing ever happened again. So this could go one of two ways, but at the moment it feels pretty promising and it it does have this nice level of heat on it. And uh, while this doesn't mean it's the time travel comic, it has the most heat on it since the time travel comic in terms of like an out of the blue, like, oh, oh, well, this would be fun. This would be fun to play with. Right. So anyway, we'll see where it goes. But I at least wanted to mark the moment and uh, and remind people, too, that like you just never know when inspiration is going to strike. So much of it is about recognizing it when it happens and channeling it and jotting down whatever dumb little thing you can do. Cause I think as creators, we've all had those moments where we think of an idea and we're like, that's kind of promising. And then it goes away. And the next you know, three days later, you might be like, what was that idea I had? And you forget it. Now that idea might've really sucked, 
But because you don't remember it, you're going to think of it and remember it as the best idea that ever happened. And this was your big thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. So so write those things down. Sometimes they're great and sometimes they do actually suck. And then you just move on. But at least you documented it in the moment. Right. Yeah. So absolutely do it in the moment because I've had the same thing. I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the pod where I was like, man, I had this great idea. I thought this was I was like, OK, you're going to remember that, which is for me is a mistake because my memory <laughs> is shit. And sure enough, I, I don't remember what it was. And I was like, fuck, it was like a great line. I needed to write it down. And so, you know, I, I like to learn from my mistakes too. And so I had one, I was like, oh, here's a little bit of dialogue from this upcoming storyline that we're going to do. And I think it's a really nice touch, you know, just to a nice little contrast between where the characters were and where the characters are, are in, in that story. And um, mm-hmm. so I made sure to write it down straight away. I opened up my Google Docs and I was like, all right, you know, boom, 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 boom. Perfect. All right, it's in there. And as far as you thinking about running out of stories, you know, I think that's a lot of people's uh, or a lot of creators worry is, is this all I got? Do I have anything else after this? Like, what what else can I do? And, you know, for Second Shift, I have, I think I have storylines. I think me and have Ed have storylines for at least the next seven years you know, depending how fast I draw, you know, like how fast I draw them, you know, we're at issue uh, somewhere around 1415 with second shift, like it's kind of somewhere in between because second shift doorways is technically issue 15. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have 13 completed. So, um, you know, I got all these crossovers and everything like that. So uh, in that world, I think we have written up until 30, or we have plotted, we have a skeleton up until issue 30. So we, mm-hmm. we definitely have room there. And uh, I had kind of the same thought as you, though, like this big storyline coming up. I'm like, this is really supposed to be later in the series, like issues 20 to 25 or 25 to 30. And um, it's kind of like a culmination of things. And it's kind of like this epic thing. And so, like, I know I had to push it forward because I don't know when I'm I think I would get to it when I'm like 50 or some shit uh, because I'm so slow or I was so slow that it's like, no, it needs to be done now. Um, so I'm happy that I did it. But at the same time, I'm like, is anything we do after this going to have as much of a punch? But the answer is yes, it will. Like y- you will think of something you mean right now right. in this moment, you may not have something, but creators create. That's just what it is. We're going to think of something yeah. new. Something is going to hit us and we're going to go, Oh, dude, like I can, that little spark will turn into a fire, like overnight, you you know, and that's what it sounds like with what happened to you. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to be a better version of you as a creator in the future. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with, you know, look, even if I hadn't thought any of anything for the next couple of years, I'll still be a better, better creator by the time, you know, I'm out of ideas in the future. So future me will think of something cool then. And, and we've talked about that, right? The idea, kind of the analogy of this fashion thing of like, wear the nice thing today, right? Write the dope story today. Gamble on yourself to come up with something else even cooler tomorrow, right? So so we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. Um, all right, so hey, that, that ends the what we did this week portion of the program. So now what we're going to talk about is I'm going to stall for time. And then I'm going to read what our topic is because <laughs> sure enough, time traveler, has delivered. Um, and, and if you're listening very closely to my intonation, you probably knew that already. So what we're going to talk about this week are the nuances of character. So why don't why don't I build to this, Scott, and let's see if we have a conversation on it or not, right? 
So we've talked about basics of character before and uh, and something that's almost become legendary in uh, in our uh, in our discography, if you want to say, or ep- ep- podcastography of making comics is the idea of this. What chips do they like? Right. Um, started, you know, started in our conversation way back in the day with Gary Hodges. And uh, and it continues where we talk about knowing your character that way. Right. And I've I've presented a whole lot of other corollaries there. Right. Like I, I sort of don't give a crap what chips my character likes, but it's meant to be a stand in for the important things about character. You know, what what are their big ones? What are their semi big ones? What matters to them? What, um, what, you know, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. If you can figure out those things, you know, and and then develop some history, you know, family history is always important. I mean, family is one of those weird things where it's weird and it feels almost cliche to think about people's family and how it created them. But it's 100% accurate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But everybody's family and how it created them turns out to be a pretty big fucking deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. I actually had a conversation with my girlfriend about this recently. And she was just like, you know, she's – my family's huge. We're all very loud. We like to talk. We like to party. Her family's very small. They don't like to party. Like, they, there's not a ton of them. Um, she has problems with large groups. She's not good with large groups. Mm-hmm. She just recently figured out that, hey, my family's small. We have small gatherings. We don't have a lot of family around us, like cousins and whatnot, aunts, uncles. I don't like big parties. I think it's because of that. And my response was like, yeah, yeah, you, you know, you, what happens in your personal life, how your family is absolutely shapes who you are. So like. It's not really cliche. It's just fact. It's just, yeah, those correlate. Those things correlate and uh, those definitely make up the person who you become and, you know, moving forward. Um, And then to go back to the chip thing, you know, the the larger point of that was knowing your character. Like you, you want to know your character so well that you go, of course, Doritos are the favorite chip, you know, And, and, and it's not because you wrote down. Their, their favorite chips are Doritos. It's because yeah. you you are so well-versed in their personality, every aspect of who they are as a person, of course these are the things that they like because that's how that character is shaped, you know? Um, exactly. You know, and like Gary's uh, example was um, one of his characters, it's like, you know, you know he wears Old Spice just by looking at him, you know? And, mm-hmm. and like that always stuck with me. Like when he said that, I was mm-hmm. just like, Oh shit. Like I know exactly what you mean now. Like it's a perfect descriptor of, you know, to get in the mind of of the creator and to think about a character. It's just like, yeah, yeah, fucking a. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think in a lot of ways, Scott, what you say helps serve as a nice segue into kind of what I want to talk about this time. And again, I, I think the way I came to it can help get us to, we, look, this may be a great conversation. It may be short. I don't know. But I was walking around. Um, I, I had just listened to a uh, an audiobook that, you know, I could give or take for the most part. But something I really liked about it was that the two lead characters had a dynamic. And uh, and in one of the scenes, the, the male lead um, apologized a certain way. And he apologized a certain way 
um, that it, it was kind of like he did the he did something um, that a lot of people do, which is they don't say they're sorry, but then they do an act of service, right? And that got me thinking about how much I loved, despite all of my, you know, mez about this novel, I thought the author did a fantastic job with the love languages of the two. Because I'm thinking in this love languages thing, right? That that he he loved acts of service, right? And and she loved time, right? Like time together, quality time. But then I took that a little bigger and I was like, you know, love languages are like, so take a step back here. How do you learn about your character? How do you understand more about your character? There's all kinds of exercises and books and things like that about how you can understand your character. And I don't know if this is a hack, but it's it's not bad if it is a hack. And that is love languages. What what is your character's love language? You know, it's it's it might be a great thing to put at the top of the list or near the top of the list, because I I happen to think that once you understand how a character communicates affection and what their preferred way of communicating affection is, you learn a lot, you know? And and what I liked about that was, again, I'm going to take a little detour from here because this is what I do. Love languages are one thing. And like, what? well, what's what's the book about love languages? Well, it's, it's one of those kind of self-help books that's in the big self-help section that a lot of people read. One of the most popular ones, yeah. One of the popular ones. Mm-hmm. What's, what's your love language, right? And, uh, and something, uh, we may have talked about this. Uh, I, again, I can't remember whether we talked about it on the podcast. That's always the caveat here, because we've probably talked about this. We for sure have. Um, Just not, again, I'm yeah. with you on, I don't think this was on the pod, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, but but then, you know, extending that a little bit, right? So, like, love languages would be a great little cheat sheet item to put when you're thinking through your characters and you're developing them. But then I was like, well, what else is there? Well, there's all kinds of self-help books and things like that. And I was thinking, you know, it'd be interesting if you read these kind of books and thought about your characters instead of you. Um, one, one of my kids really likes really is into like self-help kind of books like you know the subtle art of not giving a fuck and and those kind of things it really works for them and i was like that would be cool if you just took a look at that and thought about your character but you could extend that even more um one of my big theories out there i'm I'm sure somebody somehow somewhere and some way whether or not you've heard specifically of like business books you've heard indirectly of business books you know so like business books corporate america there's all kinds of people in corporate america that just say like here's this great book you should read it and it's and it's books like who moved my cheese and what color is your parachute <laughs> and you know all this shit right see you've heard of them right are they, are you familiar with them or not uh, i'm f- familiar with a few another one that came up recently was strength finder 2.0 um, and that's a good one. Like that one kind of determines what are your strengths as a person. And that works with with characters as well. Yeah. My manager back in the 90s gave me a book called Now Know Your Strengths. And uh, that was the premise of the book. But the thing about all these business books, Keith's grand theory of business books is you can distill them down to two motherfucking sentences, right? Now, these are 200 plus page books because they're here to sell books, bitch. Mm-hmm. But but 
you as a reader can distill this down pretty quick. And then everything just becomes sort of concentric circles of of nonsense around the main topic because the person is trying to turn this one idea into a book. Strangely, I think that business books and and the and the one sentence summaries if you can distill them somewhere are a great way to think about your characters, right? Okay, what's who moved my cheese about? Who moved my cheese is basically the summary of that one is understand how people how sensitive people are to change and then deal with them in the way that makes them comfortable in dealing with the change. Okay. So that could be a yes no button for your character right now. Are they comfortable with change or are they not? Right? What color is your parachute? That's about doing whatever you need to do so you can retire the way you want. Because of course, you know, money, 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 business, 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 right? Okay. Another great thing to put as a little criteria, like how much does your character care about money? And and these are probably things you've thought about already, but I like them as a way to sort of refocus, right? Okay, strengths 2.0. What what are your character's strengths? What does your character think their strengths are? Those may be two different things, right? right? And so it wouldn't take much time for you to go out there as we talk about the nuances of character, the depth of the character, not the basics anymore, not the main wants, the main needs, the family upbringing. It was interesting because I was going through this and I'm thinking like, you know, that. I think I think this would be a pretty cool little checklist to put on there, the kind of things that you can ask yourself about characters as you're doing that critical character work. Yeah, and, and it sucks because we did this out of order. We just had one. It was like um, creator hacks, you know, like shortcuts mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, you know, like you said, these would be great ones to put on that. So, hey, if yeah. you guys wrote stuff down during that episode, write these ones down, too. Yeah, this is the this is the Eric B and Rock Him bonus beats remix. It's a remix, <laughs> but but it's related to character. Anyway, that that was my big thought that I wanted to share with everybody. Um, anything else that you wanted to throw down on top of that? No, man, I think that was really good. Um, you know, this was kind of an unexpected subject. We kind of switched topics right before the show, and I think yeah. that's a really good one. You know, it's it. Neither one of us seem prepared, but you seem prepared for it. And, you know, those are all great things. And just that family history thing, it's a huge one. It's like it mm-hmm. is it does seem cliche, but it's it's just really the thing that works the most. When you look at someone and you look at their family history, you like at least myself, I, I'll speak for myself. I can see why everyone acts the way they do if I know who their family mm-hmm. is. And it's just like, oh, of course you act that way. You know, um, you know, your mom, your mom, your mom's neurotic. So you're neurotic, you know, Um, or your mom's really quiet. So you're really quiet, you know, and it's just like it's like those things or your dad or whatever, you know. So those little things about your characters, families, it, it really shapes who those characters are. And that's a great thing to put on your characters um, like straight away, like just to get to know the basis. Like if you're starting out, if you are starting from scratch, you know, point A, who are these people? What are they like? Okay. I Mm -hmm. think they're happy people. Okay. Go into their family life. Do they have both parents? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, or, or, you know, what kind of family did they grow up with? All those things, you know, is this character a little sad? Why is this character sad? Okay. His, his dad was a dick or his dad died early. Like when he was a little boy and he kind of never got over it and he's a billionaire and his name's Bruce Wayne. Um, Mm -hmm. so like you just think of all of these things and you, you 
pasted onto the character and it just rounds them out so much. And the more yeah. you know who they are, the more you know them as characters, you know about their family life, you'll eventually figure out what they like to eat and what kind of deodorant they wear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and one one other final thing, since I'm on the subject and I'm kind of thinking of it as you're talking, um, another another little nuance that could work. <clears throat> and I remember giving novel workshop notes about this to someone. They had had someone who was a gambler and gambled um, specifically playing poker. And then, you know, a couple pages later, they gave an analogy and it was it was dice. They gave an analogy about rolling dice. And I was and my note was they're a poker player. Their analogy would be cards. Right. So something that can help with characters, you know, Scott and I both love Star Wars. We both hate Star Wars. We both love and hate aspects of Star Wars. But most importantly, we both understand that Star Wars is a common language that people can understand for references, right? Like we've, I think we've talked about this before, right? I, I, I give a lot of Star Wars and Metallica references because people will understand them. I can make references to Blood Incantation. Nobody's going to fucking get it. Although Daniel Warren Johnson would, which is pretty dope because uh, he likes that band. But uh, but anyway, you know, like like Andy has but, a character a that's reason. a gambler. Hell yeah. You're damn right. Which we damn just right. covered. So, so. so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, yeah. Hey, Patreon. Get on baby, the Patreon. Right. Yeah. Get on that Patreon. You, you want to hear about that? We got the Patreon right there for you. So the way the person is going to think is going to be informed by their hobbies, their loves, etc. So once you can think about some of those things and they feel authentic, then that can also inform the kind of things they say. And and before you know it, you've got yourself a, a pretty nice little character going there. Yep, absolutely. Hey, so we did it. That was our main topic. Hope you enjoyed that. And, uh, and we've come to America, the world, and Blargon 4 their favorite part of this podcast, which is bringing the bullshit. What bullshit would you like to bring? Well, I realized that I only have about five or six issues of Savage Dragon left that I need to buy. And then I have oh, the complete wow. run. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I, I miss reading that series. I think I'm on issue like 216 or something like that. And they're up to mm -hmm. 268. So I still have about 50 books to read. And I can't move forward because I stopped basically where I'm missing a ton of issues. So not a ton, but enough that are back to back or like every other that it messes up the reading experience. So it's like, OK, I have to chill. I have to take a little break. And so I managed to find a very expensive issue. It's like it used to be like I think one year ago it was like a hundred and eighty dollar issue. I got it for fifty five bucks. That's the cheapest Whoa. I've seen it. And um, there wasn't, so that guy had, it was the starting bid of 55 bucks. I'll buy it now for 75. I'm like, I'm not doing it. There was another one for auction up until the last 20 minutes. That auction was going for 1250. Mm. And I'm like, should I pass on this $55 one? Because the auction ended first. Or buy it and then still bid on the auction to see if you can get it at a reasonable rate, and then you can just sell this other one. Mm -hmm. I opted for that. Like, I don't mind double dipping if I know I can get a better deal, and then I can just resell it at basically what I paid for. It's no no harm, no foul to me. And mm -hmm. so I did it. I pulled the trigger. I bid the max amount that I was willing to spend on that issue. I think it was like 65 bucks, right? I was like, I'll go mm -hmm. up to 65 bucks. So I bid 65 bucks. No one else bid. Got it for 55. Okay, cool. Got it. 
the auction went and went all the way up to forty nine fifty five. So I basically mm-hmm. spent five dollars and fifty cents more than the person that actually won the auction. So I went up to mm-hmm. I think forty three. I was like, I'll spend forty three. I'm not going any higher than that. If any higher than that, there's no deal. Like I didn't yeah. get a deal because I right. have to relist this other one, and I know how terrible I am at that. So I might not even resell it. So you beat me to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just going to sit in the collection. I spent 40, 48 extra dollars, right? <laughs> had you, had you bought both of them, my response would have been, and then you're, and now you're never going to sell that second one. Right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Cause that's how we are. <laughs> it's exactly how we are. That's Collectors right. collect baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the, um, so I, I checked in with the seller of that $55 one, the one I ended up with and I was like, does he have any other issues that I need? He had one other one. Now that one was like a $40 issue. He was selling for 28 and I was like, okay, that one's a discount too. I hit him up. I hit him up private, you know, since I had already won one of his, I say, hey, Ed, would you, would you be willing to go down to like 22 or something like that? $2. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> no, uh, my stuff's pretty, pretty well priced. Like it's below market. Um, he goes, but I would go to 25. He had it for like 28, right? So three bucks okay. off. I was like, Fuck it, I'll take it. You know, it's a $40 issue. You know, yeah. it's like 15 bucks off. I'll, I'll take it. Three bucks cheaper than if you had just bought it. And saved on shipping, right? So Yeah, hell yeah. So, you know, it's just like, hey, take I got that. a little bit of a discount because I already bought something off of him and I saved on shipping. So it was all good. So I got a couple issues of Savage Dragon off the list. So I think I have five now. I think I had seven. So now I have five left that I need to get. Mm. And um, I'm going to be posting up in a couple of group chat, comic chats that I'm in on Facebook and um, I have tons of back issues of Savage Dragon, so I'm gonna pop those on there and go. Does anyone have these issues? I have all of these issues. You know, like mm-hmm. we can work a deal out. I don't mind giving up a little more than I'm getting. Um, so just as long as I get the issues I need, that I don't have to spend any money. You know, beyond shipping. Yeah. Hey, that's cool, man. N- narrowing it down. I mean, my follow-up question is, like, like what are you gonna do with your life when you collect the final Savage Dragon? I'm gonna read them. <laughs> and then obviously move on to something else because that's what we buy do. something else yeah <laughs> what 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 like action comics has about a thousand issues total right like you need you clearly you need a far more ambitious task you need uh, you need to collect the entirety of action comics well i've already bought the most expensive copies of x-men uncanny x-men yeah. so i might as well just buy all thousand copies of uh, x-men yeah that boom there we go yeah, i'm already yeah. ahead of the game i already got the first uh, 25 i think yeah 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 uh, that's cool so so it's interesting that you say that you are sort of ending you're at the end of something scott because guess what oh you must be at the beginning of something i oh. am at the beginning of grabbing these sweet sweet EC Comics Treasury Books from Fantasy. I don't know. I don't know how this started. I I don't. Okay, I take that back. I I kind of know the spark that did it. Was it Gary? But now here I am. No, no, it wasn't Gary. It wasn't Gary. Um, it was. I'll I'll tell you offline what okay. what it was. Um, but yeah, like one thing led to another, and I found myself. I'm trying to think where it started. I think it started. Well, it really came to a head when I don't think I talked about this on the podcast, did I? That I went to Phantom of the Attic in uh, Pittsburgh when we were going to Penn State a couple. A I don't while remember. Ago? 
Yeah, dude. Okay, so big shouts. Pittsburgh Pittsburgh is a dope fucking town, at least by Keith standards, because it's got multiple killer comic shops. I mean, last time I went there, I went to Ides, which I've talked about as like a back issue haven. And then this time I went to Phantom of the Attic, which is over there uh, right off the Carnegie Mellon campus. And it is so good in terms of trades. It's just got... It's got all the trades. It's got all the cool trades. It's got Godzilla figures. It's got cool sale books. It's got 50 cent bins. It's got all kinds of fun wow. stuff. Not as nowhere near as heavy on comics as trades, but like I could spend a thousand dollars in there at the drop of a hat on just kick ass trades, dude. There's so much cool shit there. And uh, because I was on a budget, I I think I grabbed um, I did some research on on some horror comics and, you know, you must start with EC. And, you know, the nice thing about EC comics is they have just been collected and recollected and re-released and re-released and re-released. But now I think Fantagraphics sort of has the license and they're just doing chunks of them at, oh, it's actually Dark Horse. Um, They're doing chunks at a time. And uh, so, yeah, what I got was I got and read um, Shock Suspense Stories Volume 2. And then I also got Weird Science Volume 1. Weird Science Volume 1, actually, that may have been the thing that really started me collecting was that I had this uh, this Christmas gift that was burning a hole, you know, all these all this time later to Powell's. And I was like, I had, it was like an $85 gift card and I had about 55 bucks worth of stuff that I really wanted. So I'm like, how can I fill this out? And I was like, oh, maybe some old horror suspense kind of comics. And before you know it, I grabbed that weird science that then led to another thing, led to another thing. And these are two of them, but I think I have some boxes somewhere in the house where I have a couple more somewhere. So it's growing. Um, they're always here. I've already pre-ordered a bunch through the rest of the year. Oh, nice. Uh, and we'll see where it goes, right? But it, it's fun to read these things. I What I really like is that they're nice, digestible pieces, right? Like yeah. we're talking about about five, five comics worth of uh, five issues in one all very short stories you can just sort of make your way through it so uh so yeah man I'm, I'm i'm feeling the bug and i'm feeling the vibe and i'm grabbing some of these so we'll see where it goes but uh yeah this might be the beginning of a problem yeah i think the the uh, um the anthology is in the zeitgeist right now you know like i've mentioned on previous episodes where we had done done shows and my anthologies were selling really well mm-hmm. and i just picked up ghost machine which is from Image Comics and uh, Jeff Johns and that group. And it had, I think, five stories in one for the low cover price of four ninety nine. So you got mm. a lot of story in there for that price point, which is great. You don't see that on mainstream comics these days. And yeah. so I was really surprised by that. And I think I liked about four out of the five stories, really. And uh, I was like... I think I would read all of these, like an individual mm-hmm. series. So when these do come out in indiv- individual series, which they will, uh, I'll, I think I'll pick up about four or five of them and um, see where it goes. So yeah, definitely the anthology is in the zeitgeist. And even the project that I'm working on, that's essentially what it is. It's like a bunch of short stories in one. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think everybody's doing it. It's really accessible in that way. Like you don't have to invest too much time and effort. There's not this... Um, long colluded, uh, convoluted, like mm-hmm. story history that you have to know. It's just kind of like, oh, here's little bite-sized chunks of this story, and if you dig it, you can go back and follow along with it. If not, you hopefully you enjoyed that bit and you can move on from it. Yeah, 
Yeah, very cool. Very cool. I grabbed um, another series, and this was off of one of the groups. Um, it's called uh, Xenon. I think that's how you pronounce that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. No, that's not what I was thinking of. Okay, Xenon. Yeah. Yeah, so this is an old series by Eclipse Comics and Viz Comics. Um, so it's Eclipse International and Viz Comics. They team together to bring out this series. I think it's 23 issues. I got it on one of those Facebook groups for mm-hmm. 25 bucks. 23 issues for 25 bucks. And okay. so it's a whole series. It's super old, obviously, because it's Eclipse and Viz. I think both are out of business now. And I've read the first four or five issues. It's really enjoyable. Something about mm. American American release manga, it's in comic book format, so you're getting 19 to 23 pages, right? Yeah. Manga reads quick. Like, it reads super fast. So I know I'm going to burn through the series, and I'm enjoying mm-hmm. it so far. Like, there's some some stuff that's kind of like, kind of hard to tell story-wise what's going Mm -hmm. on i'm like oh this wasn't really clear the way the artist drew it and there was you know obviously a better way to do it but overall like it's a really enjoyable series it's just a little clunky on the storytelling here and there uh but so far Mm -hmm. it's so good nice nice hey have have you ever read headlopper 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 by andrew mclean i have not i've heard good things but i have not read it no i enjoyed the shit out of it dude like I, I met him. Um, he and I were both tabling at a big Godzilla event at Pulp Fiction Long Beach, I think back in July or something. And so I was just, you know, chopping it up with him during down moments. I mean, there's like eight creators there and I grabbed a copy of Headlopper and yeah, man, I'm, I'm really enjoyed volume one, like fun, you know, you know, what do you want to say? Like, I mean, the lead character chops off heads. It's Fucking pretty cool. great. Yeah, 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 and and Andrew McLean, his his um his art style is somewhere between Sunday. Like there are times where it has almost like a Sunday Funnies vibe. Okay, and there's times where it just looks like Mike Mignola, and uh, it kind of depends on the level of resolution and stuff. But there's just some really there's some really cool little uh, pieces in there, and uh, and re- just a really fun kind of swords and sorcery thing. I, I enjoyed the shit out of it. Turns out I think there's four volumes, okay. so that is definitely on my list um, to grab the remaining volumes. Kind of once I'm back from my trip and all that stuff. But de- you know, high on the list, I'll be getting it at some point, and I really enjoyed it. There's just so much good stuff out, man. It's hard to read it all. Yeah, like that's too much. That's the problem with uh, that's the problem with comics right now. Is number one, we're in a down period. And number two, there's so much good shit that, like, who has the money or the time to read it all, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder, you know, like, you said we're in a down period. And I I think on some level we are, and on some level we aren't. I remember there was this, there was a stat from, oh, oh, let's go with three or four years ago that I caught, maybe even longer at this point. But it was talking about music sales, and the interesting thing about music sales, and, and I think I have this percentage right. At the time of the stat, 70% of all music sales were from albums that sold less than 100 copies total, which I think is just gonzo, right? It just shows you, you know, there's this economics idea of like the long tail, right? Of the little tiny incremental bits and pieces of a sales trend that just add up to such huge amounts. And 
you know, in a lot of ways, the long tail can personify pop culture, can personify everything, right? Like when, when, when I was growing up, Scott, and maybe even when you were growing up, there was this thing of monoculture, you know, like, look, on Thursdays, you watched Cosby show and you watched, you know, well, whatever show was a different world. Speaking of, of your comic, um, there was a different world and then there was Cheers and then there was Night Court, right? Everybody fucking watched that dude. Right. Because that's all there was. Like on Thursday night, NBC, that is what everyone watched. That was the that was the dialogue. And um, ever since, you know, as we've gotten into more fragmented culture and videos and and all those things, there's almost no monoculture anymore. You know, I, I think the last thing that was closest to monoculture was probably Game of Thrones. And that was yeah. nowhere near the level of monoculture that everything else was. Yeah, you know? Game of so, Thrones, Walking Dead. Yeah, those were yeah. all pretty huge. See, I was thinking monoculture was just back then there was nothing to do. So you guys were giving each other mono. <laughs> just in the well, culture I mean, that's possible too I, I'm, I'm, I, I can either confirm nor deny um, but but I, I I use that as an example because I wonder if the thing we're seeing everywhere with entertainment with whatever I mean like you just said about about comics I mean I think it's this way about shows it's it's this way about everything but big big movies with huge huge budgets even comics it's like you almost have to hear about it from someone or well, try even it on like your own. the movies are down too. I think everything is down. Yeah. You know, it's like down. their yeah. movies are still bouncing back from COVID. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's still, you know, they're making good money. People are going to the theaters again, but it's not in the same yeah. way that they were before. No. Um, no. And, and just by the numbers, the comics are down. And yeah. you do have those big titles like that are selling 175,000, 300,000 maybe. But those are mm-hmm. the ones that it's just like, oh, hey, Keanu Reeves is doing a comic now and it has, yeah. you know, five covers. Or if you buy this one and you buy 100 copies of it, you get this one in 100 variant. And so you're mm-hmm. goosing the numbers with these variants and these these deals, you know. Yeah. And so that affects the numbers, you know, like – um, I think Rob Liefeld did a podcast about it. He goes, you know, people say the numbers are down, but what about this? And it's like, yeah, you're mentioning the big heavy hitters numbers. Right. Tell me the next five. Tell yeah, me tell exactly. me two through five. Tell me two through ten. What were those numbers? Because yeah, that or, Yeah, or tell me what the number twenty comic is selling. Exactly. Tell me what the number fifty comic is selling. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. And it's gonna be a yeah. fraction of it, you know, and like there's titles that are really well known or, or were known, like Savage Dragon, for instance. It's just like that is basically turned into a subscription book. Like you have to yeah. have it on your list in order for stores to buy it. Now, SoCal Comics is a cut above the rest. They'll they'll buy an extra five copies for the shelf just in mm-hmm. case. But most stores don't. It's like that book doesn't sell. I'll only buy the amount that the customers are ordering for their pull list. That's it. They, I won't have anything yeah. else. And so yeah. – yeah. Um, you know, like you said, the monoculture just doesn't exist anymore. And yeah. the fact that back in the day, would we have like realistically, what do we have? 25 channels, something. Mm-hmm. We have like a hundred and something now, you know? So it's yeah. just like, there's so many channels. You don't have mm-hmm. the, the same amount of comics coming out per month. You might have so mm-hmm. much more. And it's because you have all these other publishers like, dipping their toe in the water to say, hey, can yeah. we put books out too? Can we make money at this? And, you know, unfortunately, like a lot of the, the comic fan base 
it's our numbers aren't growing that much. Like we're we're dwindling for sure. Like every generation, I think it gets a little bit lower. I think the '90s was the last real boom for comic books and, mm-hmm. and uh, growth, and um, you know it's dwindled every year since then. And you know, like the other down year, like here's where we're here's where we're excelling. Creators, what we're putting mm-hmm. out now is better. I think, like overall as a whole, I think the comics creators are smarter. Are creating better product these days. Now, not across the board. You obviously have a bunch of stinkers, but you have a lot more good people doing stuff too. And it's you know that just goes back to my line of there's so much good shit coming out. I can't read it all. I can't afford it, and I don't have the time to. You know, as yeah. back in the day, you had 20 channels to choose from, and you're all were watching the same thing. It's just like yeah, but there's so much good shit. Everyone's taste is it's eclectic. Everyone has such a different taste that eh, I'm not really into comics, so I'm not going to watch these Marvel movies or you know like you know everyone just has their own thing and they they like to focus on their own thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean and I think you've look, you've made 80% of the point that I was going to bring it back around to, which is I I think you know, I think that you can say the industry is down but there's more quality product than ever Absolutely. and more people and more people are releasing product. I think all three of those things are true because the industry at the top level is down, but more and more people are making books and more and more books just released independently um, by, Hey, even by some, you know, by people that are, you know, listening to the making comics podcast. That's why we're here, right? Like you can get great books on Kickstarter. You can get mm-hmm. great books through, through your local shop in your local creators rack. And so I, I think you can have all of those things be true at the same time, which is the comic industry is down, but more people are making books and there are more good books than ever to choose from. Um, so look, it's a great time to read comics. And I like to think it's a pretty great time to make comics too. It's just, there's so many more people out there. You know, the, the downside of Monica, culture I of, of a no monoculture is that when you make the book it's so hard for you to get noticed you know I mean how many people do you know that have kickstarters right everyone yeah right like we all have them right we're all re- using them as a good way to kind of fund you know the book and uh and but everybody knows it's a good way of funding the book so it's just it's cluttered yeah. right and, uh, and not only that and so that's it's that's become... what's going to happen yeah, not only sorry about that. Not only that, it becomes the independent creators' uh, diamond distribution. You know, mm-hmm. and that that's what I say. Like when I talk about why do I use Kickstarter still? Number one, my books get printed that way. Like like it gets funded. My books get funded, and the right. initial print run gets paid for. It doesn't come out of pocket. What's come out of pocket for me is time. It's like mm-hmm. that's worth so much, and I've given so much of it. You know, to, to have the first print run paid for is amazing. And not only that, other people that didn't know about my book that I didn't know, they can find it on Kickstarter. You know, we talked yep. to Doug Wagner. He's a, a well-known creator, and he buys his books on Kickstarter. He, sh- he That's where he's looking at projects and checking stuff out. So if you yep. have, you know, creators of, of you know, like his standard uh, looking through, you know, it's obviously worth other people checking out, which they do. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, anyway, okay. Hey, I, I think I think we brought some some pretty solid bullshit there. So it is time. It's time to rate these beers. I can't be stopped. I remember to to rate the beers. You so did it with that. It's awesome. With that, buddy. What what do you rate yours? Okay, Left Hand Brewing Company Milk Stout Nitro America's Stout. I really like so this. many words. So yeah. many words. 
That is so many words. For something so delicious. This really just hit the spot. It was so smooth. It was absolutely what I wanted. There was no bite at the end. There was nothing. There was no overwhelming aftertaste to it. It was just smooth. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know if that's just something that comes with nitros, but it definitely hit the spot. I had mentioned I wanted to double dip this episode, potentially having a second beer because this was only a 12-ouncer. I wish mm-hmm. I could have double dipped with another one of these. Like that's how delicious oh. it was. It was perfect okay. for the weather. It was perfect for the night. It was perfect for the mood. Um, yeah. And um, I give it. <sighs> I give it an eight. Oh man. And I think okay. this was a really inexpensive beer from what I remember. Okay. I think it was very inexpensive. Like it Even was better, you know, who knows? Maybe on another day I would have given it something else, maybe something lower. Today mm-hmm. it's an eight for sure. It's today, baby. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so a, a dumb, dumb little riff. You, you know, you said all those words with whatever this is, and um, and I, I, I did want to mention that uh, a, a little while ago I did go to see Godzilla minus one in the theater a fourth time. Oh wow! And I did it. I did it because they released the Godzilla minus one minus color. They released it as a black and white film. Nice. And it was super badass. Again, I I wasn't even sure I wanted to go see it a fourth time, but my wife wanted to go see it what was for her a third time. She was like, hey, you know, this is coming out. And I'm like, okay, if you want to go, I'll go. And in the meantime, I was like, I'm not sure I needed this fourth time, but I, hey, I enjoyed the shit out of it nice. in time number four every bit. But before then, before the movie, there was a trailer for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Ah, right? that's my shit. So, but my my thing I was thinking of is... Like, I hope they keep releasing movies and I hope they all keep having add-ons at the beginning. I think those are prepositions, right? I don't know my my sense, but it would be cool if like at some point there was a there was a movie that was like stream in the valley of the land of the city of the kingdom of the planet of the apes. Like I just wanted to be like, like 38 fucking words where we could just keep on going. So anyway, please keep making more movies, planet of the apes and please keep on having more words. As they walk through the Valley of the shadow of death of the planet of the apes. Of the, of the planet of the apes. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So time traveler, um, you know, this, this was really good. Dry hopped Belgian style ale. So Scott, this gives me very madam kind of vibes. Oh. Like that's what it is, right? It's it's basically a Belgian and it gives me madam vibes. So I'm going to give it a seven. Nice. I, I, I wouldn't quite like a madam is definitely up there. It's somewhere between an eight and a 10, depending on the preference. So I need to grade that down. I thought this was very good and uh, has, you know, nice punch, um, but it's not the madam. Um, and, and the funny thing is, before this, I was choosing between this or Fin du Monde, and like, it's kind of the same thing, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's not that much difference. So, yeah, this one was really solid. Time Traveler, nice limited beer, and, and a good drink, and a 782 Shabby, man. That's a nice score. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right, so you can find me on on, on uh, Instagram. I was going to say Instagram, but that's weird. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore Invader. I'm posting stuff about me, pictures, my books, 
stuff I'm reading, etc. Um, I also have the website keithrfoster.com that has, um, well, that has blog posts, and it also has some pages on the books I, I write, which are Kadoja, which is Giant Monsters Meet H.P. Lovecraft, Animals, which is animals catch a contagious virus that makes them want to kill people, and Three Protectors, which is Kung Fu in Space. So you can get those books on keitharfoster.com, but if you want to get some free comics, then go to the invadercomics.com page, sign up for the mailing list. You're going to get free content of Three Protectors Volume 2 delivered to your inbox every month. That is the only way we are telling the story right now. We've already released the first couple pages, and by the time this comes out, we're probably very close if we haven't already released the second batch, but you can always catch up, which means you can always sign up, and you will always get the story to date so that you can enjoy that. So again, Three Protectors Volume 2 only through invadercomics.com by signing up for our email list. And you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads. And you could find me also on Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. And uh, uh, my books. Yeah, words. So you can find my books, books at AccidentalAliens.com, Second Shift, Minimum Wage Superheroes, uh, Wanderers of Milisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs vs. Humans, Astounding Adventures, which has Paradise Hills in it, and Granite. Um, those are all at accidentalaliens.com. Yeah. So let's say you've gotten this far and you're like, eh, I don't know if I want to you know, grab any of your books or anything. But you know what you can do that's completely free is you can give us a review. You can give us a review on Spotify. You can give us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can give us some nice words. Now, when I say give us a review... Um, if you look, give us, give, give our podcast a review up, it would say review a podcast based on a criteria, um, unless that podcast is the Making Comics podcast, because they are the five motherfucking star experience. Therefore, you need to give it five stars. Um, that's straight from Roget's Thesaurus. I actually had it open while I was doing this. That's not me talking. That's me reading because that's just facts. So give us the five stars that we deserve because we are the five-star motherfucking experience. Of course, if you've done it already, then thank you so much. And you can find us also at the Making Comics Facebook group. So that's newly released. We just did that not too long ago. We've put it off for a while. Um, we we had to do it. The demand was through the roof. And when <laughs> Those I- blargons. Those Blargons, they like to communicate. Um, but so, not the Blargon 3 Blargons. Fuck those guys. They don't listen to our shit. It's Blargon 4. Mm-hmm. It's Blargon, Blargon 4. 4. They know what's up. Yeah. So yeah, go to the Making yeah. Comics Facebook group. Just type in Making Comics Podcast in your search engine there, and we should pop up. We're basically the only one that is the Making Comics Podcast group. And then also our Patreon. Um, you know, we did it. We finally created one. After three years, we finally put one together. That's for the people that, hey, if the Kickstarters are too much for you, the idea of paying 13 bucks or something for a single comic is just not something you can do. We completely understand. We get it. But what you can do is go to Patreon, back our Patreon, and uh, for $1 a month, you can back it. What that says to us is you love our podcast. You appreciate us. That's a quarter an episode per month. You think about that way. Four episodes a month. quarter an episode. Pretty awesome. For $5, you get access to our extra videos. So we do two extra podcasts, um, whether it be an audio and video or just 
just audio. Um, so we do two different mm-hmm. ones. For the month of January, we, we covered uh, Space Mullet by Daniel Warren Johnson. And we also talked about our interview with Doug Wagner. Those were the two videos we released for that month. Uh, we basically covered, uh, you know, thoughts on that podcast and, uh, you know, the information that we got, we unpacked it a little more there. So every month you can expect two extra podcasts uh, on the Patreon for $5 a month. And then yeah. the big boy tier is 25 bucks. For 25 bucks a month, you will talk to one of us for 30 minutes on a face FaceTime situation, a Zoom call, whatever, some kind of video chat, you'll be able to talk to one of us for 30 minutes about your project. So whatever Mm -hmm. you need help with, if you just want to run stuff by us, ideas you're having, how to organize them, if you got some writing stuff you want to talk to with Keith, you can request him. If you are in the art stages of it and you want some some advice from me, you want me to look over your work or whatever, you can hit me up. Um, you can request me. So 25 bucks a month will get you that. You can obviously cancel at any time for any of those tiers, but the longer you hang on, the better for us. Uh, it lets us know you appreciate us, and uh, thank you so much if you are already doing so. Yeah, and let look, let's say that you back that, that wonderful, wonderful tier, and you decide you want to talk either the Sixers or the Lakers with us. Just be mindful when you're doing that, because you never know. <laughs> you never, you never know when one of us is going to be coming off a good week or a bad week. That's just the way shit is. So, so you can do that, but be be mindful of of what the run up uh, has looked like uh, coming into that time. You will get the honest assessment from both of us regarding either one of our teams uh, if you do start <laughs> do choose to start talking about that. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, man. I mean, the Patreon's there. Uh, you know, you'll. I, I think listeners will be happy to know that Scott said something so egregious, so egregious that I actually had to beep it on the Patreon. Which is Don't pretty you bad know because what it's that a paid for <laughs> subscription. It's a paid for thing. Yeah, we are, dude. We are. I mean, this, like, this is us at our corporate and polished. Can you imagine what the Patreon is like? Don't you want to find out? I say some shit. So yeah, get on there. Yeah, we say shit. We say shit. Uh, hit us up at uh, makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com as well. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about the episodes, make sure you do that. Makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. You got a quote? I do have a quote. Did uh, You got a quote? I mean, I feel like I've been using quotes, but but why don't we do one each? You got a couple? Or Sure. Yeah, I have a list. Let's, let's yeah, let's let's do it. Let's be the, the Daryl McDaniels and Reverend, Reverend Run of, of dropping some quotes for that ass. You have Go a ahead, long one first. or you have a quick one? I have a quick one. You are who you are when no one is watching. Jimmy Carr. Okay. Uh, here's the one that I like. Popularity and fame are not the same as success or fulfillment. Sometimes they even get in the way. Mike Tannier. He is a sports writer, but I love that quote so much that I wanted to write it down. Um, so anyway, so yeah, hey, we did it. World's best cup of coffee. We will see you next week. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>